0: right welcome to another episode of rugby league therapy uh, as with every week uh, we are sponsored by the great people at everythingrugbyleague.com rugby um, and might I say as a uh, contributor over the years um, they are coming into their own right now with the international rugby league season upon us um, we've got no no Lou um, this week for the rugby league therapy podcast however um, I thought this was a great opportunity to I guess self-indulge in a little bit of um, the topics that I personally find um, very interesting, a bit more off-field um, topics like uh, the TV ratings for the NRL in 2023 and um, the current state of the Super League, um, and maybe one or two other smaller subjects, um, which I understand um, might not be for everyone, uh, but I think it's the perfect time to to be able to talk about this stuff with um, the uh, obviously the NRL season coming to an end, um, the data now being available how NRL compares to, um, you know, I guess rival codes or other codes in Australia and um, and how the Super League is is uh, contrasting that um, at the same time. So the gap between the end of the NRL season and the start of the international season seems like the perfect time to, um, to as I said, a little bit of self-indulgence, but um, a topic that hopefully someone out there finds interesting, even though it's not directly the on-field product. All right, topic number one is... A article that's just come out, um, fantastic article by uh, footyindustry.com, um, which is the uh, state of the game 2023 NRL and NRL WTV ratings, attendances, social media, and memberships. Um, so I'll just fly through this article, um, or at least the pertinent points of the article, um, and then give my um, give my thoughts on, on um, what I think of everything. Um, all right, ratings, attendances, social media and memberships. Well, after one of the best grand finals seen in many a year, it's time to say goodbye to the NRL season and hello to the forthcoming internationals. But first, we take a good look at the metrics uh, for what was a record-breaking season for the National Rugby League. Um, in terms of attendances, it's all good news here for the NRL as a record-breaking 4,055 and five. People attended 204 NRL matches across two countries at an average of 19,633 people using 49.5% of available capacity of each stadium on average. Uh, this is a record total and average for the NRL. The final season was attended uh, by 329,255 people at an average of 36,584 people per game, with 83% of stadium capacity used. Uh, this includes 81,947 at a core stadium for the grand final, which is 98% of the capacity of that stadium. Uh, the three men's and two women's origin matches attracted 207,635 people at an average of 41,527, which is 85% of capacity. Uh, and standalone NRLW matches contributed to another 83,326 at an average of 2,778 per game. So that's actually not a bad average uh, for a fledgling competition, um, that being the NRLW, almost 3,000 people showing up per game. And there's a fair few standalone games in there, including the record-breaking one at Newcastle, uh, which set the record for a a women's uh, standalone rugby league game uh, for the NRLW. Uh, In total, 4.954 million folks have attended professional rugby league matches in Australia and New Zealand in 2023. Suncorp Stadium was the best attended venue, both on aggregate and average, as more than a million attendees, one quarter of the total attendance for the whole year coming at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, went to the matches there at an average of more than 37,000 per game, while KO Stadium made the best use of its capacity using 100% of its available space. Quite frankly, uh, KO Stadium is too small to be an NRL stadium uh, in my point of view, but we'll move on. Um, Club home attendances were led by the Broncos with 33,793 people. The Dolphins, 25,562 people. And Newcastle, twenty-one thousand one hundred and thirty-two people. That was closely followed by the Warriors, although this article doesn't state that. Um, who achieved an above-average, sorry, an average attendance above twenty thousand people? Uh, attendances were affected by the Women's World Cup and the Broncos having to move games to the lower-capacity Gabba, whilst construction restricted attendance at PointsBet Stadium in in uh, Cronulla or woolaway uh, and capacity limitations affected KO Stadium and BlueBet Stadium. But on the plus side, 12 additional matches and multiple high-drawing Queensland fixtures uh, more than made up for it. Move on to uh, membership. Uh, The NRL is for some reason reluctant to release membership figures, but fortunately footy industry and the good folks at League Unlimited also track these sort of things. Five NRL clubs uh, declared record memberships in 2023, with Brisbane clocking in over 40,000 members. Canberra, 24,060. Well done, Canberra. Canterbury, 22,000. Well done, Canterbury with uh, an underperforming team. Manly, 16,332. And the Sydney Roosters, 20,072. The Warriors, Souths and Panthers, again, not declaring any numbers for the season. Uh, If these numbers are included, we are probably looking at a record number of memberships. Surprising Souths in particular there, who um, were competing with Brisbane at one stage for the most members in the game. I'll move on to social media. Uh, NRL clubs have 13 million followers across the major social media outlets, led by the Broncos with 737,000 Facebook, 449,000 Instagram and 163,000 Twitter and 330,000 followers. Coming in second was the Melbourne Storm, closely followed by the South City Rabbitohs and the New Zealand Warriors. So the top four in terms of social media uh, encompass three states and two countries um, and come very close to the club's they were actually in the preliminary final with the exception of Penrith uh, being replaced by the Rabbitohs in this. Uh, so you can see that in total uh, Brisbane have 1.679 million social media followers. Um, that's followed by Melbourne with 1.379 million fa- uh, social media followers. Uh, in third place, just pipping the Warriors, is South Sydney on 1.179 million followers Um, And then the Warriors at 1.112 million. So those are the four clubs that are over a million followers on social media. Um, And the lowest followed club in terms of social media looks to be the Dolphins, which is quite understandable, at 306,900, followed by, surprisingly, the Dragons only had 452,300 social media followers. Uh, Moving on now to television. Which is obviously the medium that um, pays the wages and funds the game primarily. Um, So, a massive year in television for the NRL and an estimated audience of more than 174 million for the year up, sorry for the year up to, and including the grand finals of the NRL and NRLW. This is up from 149.35 million in 2022, even accounting for the lack of NRLW in the 2022 fixtures. So. As I said, 2023 had 174 million viewers tune in um, over the course of the season. Um, and that's up from 149 million last year. Uh, of that, 62.78 were free to air viewers, uh, 52.34 were Fox League standard um, set top boxes. Uh, and then 52.25 million came from streaming via Foxtel, KO. I assume NRLW had 6.916 millions, total 174 million, total uh, one hundred and seventy four million, one hundred and thirty four thousand. So at the start of the year, uh, we were estimating Fox Box. Uh, so this is just some um, notes on how how those figures were calculated. So we'll move on uh, from that uh, A little too esoteric even for me. Uh, we'll go for the metro or metro audiences. Sydney's average is one hundred and sixty one thousand. Melbourne's average is twelve thousand. Brisbane's average is 111,000, Adelaide 7,000, Perth 8,000. In Melbourne, the Storm average of 33,000 viewers per game. When the Storm aren't playing, it drops down to 8,000. So a bit of work to be done there if the NRL is going to start to appeal outside of the Melbourne Storm in the Melbourne market. In Brisbane, the Broncos averaged 170,000, uh, whilst the Dolphins averaged 126,000. Other Queensland regional teams average 131,000 on nine while matches involving the Queensland sides averaged 98,000. In New South Wales, Sydney siders averaged 163,000 per game, uh, while sides from regional New South Wales averaged 163,000 as well, uh, and matches with no teams from New South Wales averaged 146,000. So more importantly, the leading clubs on television during the season were Brisbane, followed by South Sydney, Penrith and Melbourne. Uh, so Brisbane were the dominant club on Channel Nine, averaging six hundred and twenty thousand viewers per game, followed by Penrith, Parramatta, South Sydney, the Dolphins, Melbourne, and Sydney. Unfortunately, no um no data exists from uh, Sky Sports New Zealand, although we know that on in the first round of the finals, uh, which is obviously when the Warriors played. Penrith in Penrith, uh, they're reported to be 700,000 boxers tuning in, which is a pretty extraordinary result given the population of New Zealand at uh, under 5 million people. Um, Now, my thoughts on this are obviously well done to the NRL. Um, This makes them by far the most followed sport in Australia in terms of viewers. Um, I think the AFL from memory got around about 33 million uh, viewers less than this, and even accounting for the gap in uh, attendances uh, from people actually at the game, um, the NRL still remains around 30 million viewers ahead of the AFL. Um, this is the second year in a row where the NRL has um, basically blown any other code out of the sport in terms of viewership. Um, I guess on the um, devil's advocate side of things here, I sort of there's a little bit of an element of having to sell your soul a little bit um, to get these viewers. And what I mean by that is that the games are often far too late, which um, which might be good for TV viewerships. However, it's not good for attendances. Um, I know I just touched on the fact that the NRL had a, a record year for attendances. However, if games were held at more family-friendly times, m- many more kids and families could attend, and those kids become future parents down the track who bring their kids, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's not really going to happen on a Thursday night at 8 p.m. or a Friday night at 8 p.m. all that often, if I'm being honest. Maybe a Saturday night, 7.30. I don't really have an issue with that TV time. Um, But I think that if we're going to boost memberships memberships and live attendances even more, uh, we need to use this as a code, um, as a bargaining power. Uh, when these next TV rights deal uh, comes up, which uh, the current deal expires in 2027, um, to actually bring some of those gains back to more family-friendly times, um, have people attend. Everyone loves daytime football. Um, I think that we saw with the Warriors going deep into the finals this year what a real issue was for what we realise now is a completely neglected New Zealand market uh, in terms of having to, Stay up until after midnight um, if you want to see the final result of a Warriors game. I think there needs to be a caveat at the bare minimum written into the next TV rights deal, which says that if the Warriors are in the finals, those games can be moved to more friendly New Zealand times. I said to Lou in the in one of the podcasts uh, we've done recently that you know if Channel Nine or Channel Seven are willing to pay you know a certain amount more to have a 7:30 PM kickoff for the grand final. Find out how much more Sky TV New Zealand are prepared to pay to have, a, you know, a um, a prime time 6 PM kickoff in New Zealand, so 3 PM in Australia or or 4 PM here in Australia, um, and then maybe make up the gap at least partially with um, with the New Zealand TV deal as well. Um, so I think that yeah, the NRL once again needs to leverage um, the fact that they are now at least two years in a row the most popular sport in Australia, and uh, certainly in terms of TV viewership, um, to come to that negotiating table and um, really really move those games to a f- more fam- family-friendly time. Another issue I have, um, coming back to live attendances, um, is that games in Sydney are just far too expensive, particularly for teams with the new stadiums. Now, I understand that there's increased costs, but I looked at a game on a Thursday night. Um, It was Parramatta versus the North Queensland Cowboys on a school night, and they wanted $129 for tickets on the halfway line. Now, that is far, far too much um, to charge. Now, I understand that they can't charge what the Warriors can charge, which is, you know, as low as $10, $15 for tickets, because the stadium costs uh, are just substantially higher. Some of these Sydney clubs, the Roosters and Parramatta, in particular, in brand spanking new stadiums, um, and that comes with the cost associated. But you can't expect fans to pay $130 on a Thursday night for an out of town team um, to kick off at 8 p.m. at night. It's just not realistic. I think the NRL needs to, to needs to do something about, um, you know, putting a cap on ticket prices um, for individual games. I understand that, you know, if you want to buy a membership um you'll be able to get to the game a lot cheaper but sometimes you're just not a, you know a follower of that team but you want to go to an event um you got a, a friend coming from overseas and he's only here for a set period of days um and you want to take him to a good game at a good stadium that's what happened to me and you know it's 129 dollars the roosters are just as bad um something needs to be done we need to have a football day cap uh, per, per per ticket price um, and that in conjunction with um, having more family-friendly TV times should see more and more people go to a game. Every game needs to be an event. And lastly, my thoughts on um, my thoughts on the next subject, a little bit, um, I guess you'd call it naive or wishful thinking. Um, I, I quite frankly think that the season's too long. Um, if we're going to add an 18th team, which we will be, by the time the next TV deal runs, Um, runs or starts its course, then we're going to be able to make up the games even if we reduce the NRL from 27 rounds to maybe 23 rounds or 24 rounds or something like that. Uh, Okay, so there's going to be an extra game uh, per round um, and over the course of, say, 23 rounds, that's an extra 23 games. Now, currently we have eight games per round, uh, which means that, Three rounds worth can be taken off and you've still got the same amount of games. Um, I think the NRL needs to use that opportunity to shorten the round. The demands on players and the risk of a lot of games becoming a non-event are too high with 27 rounds. NFL have it spot on. I think they have something like 18 or maybe 20 rounds tops or something like that, but every single game is an event. Every single game is attended by a huge amount of people. Um, We need quality over quantity and the next TV rights deal is a perfect opportunity with an extra game coming in per round um, to shift the power even more so in favor of the game and not the broadcasters. Um, that's really about it for what I have to say uh, on this particular subject. Um, but once again, on a really positive note, well done to the NRL, another record season, both attendances and also TV viewing, Um, it is head and shoulders in most metrics above the AFL, uh, which is its nearest rival. So about 30 million viewers throughout the course of the year ahead of the AFL on TV, despite the fact that it has one less game per round, um, which is pretty incredible. It's substantially higher uh, social media presence than the AFL. Um, That could be due to the fact that you know albeit rugby league is a small sport internationally it does actually have a following in other countries um and it isn't confined to just australia we have the english super league we've got teams in france papua new guinea and cook islands national sport so it does sort of um break through more markets than the afl but um, and that could be a result of um, having more social media followers i'd love to see some data on how many social media followers are isolated to australia um, and see you know what sport comes ahead in that regard. AFL obviously ahead of the NRL in terms of attendances they've got much more family-friendly tv times um, they utilize only a, a small set of large stadiums that that many teams play out of you know basically only two in Melbourne with MCG and Marvel Stadium and all the Melbourne all eight all nine uh, Melbourne teams play out of that one of those two stadiums which means that the um, transport networks can just be fantastic around that um nRL is obviously very different it's it's, it's a very tribal game uh, you're not going to see Cronulla fans really traveling into the city to watch game at allianz all that often they want to s- spend the weekend in you know where they live and play Cronulla, etc same goes for manly etc cetera, etc cetera. but um yeah uh, i think that's probably the next um next real target of investment and effort for the nRL um, done a fantastic job in getting over 4 million people attending their games for the first time. Next goal should be to average over 20,000 people, um, and you can do that by lowering ticket prices, particularly in Sydney, and having your games at more family, family-friendly times. But as I said, huge, huge, hugely successful year for the NRL, so well done um, to the code and the administrators and the clubs. Um, bit to work on, but still, let's take these wins when, when we can get them as, as fans of the code, and... As fans, we are the game in in, in many aspects and and, um, we obviously created these numbers um, as fans. So my next topic is the state of the European or English Super League. Now, any NRL fans there that don't follow the Super League um, I think this is a good opportunity to have a listen about some of the issues that have gone on in the Super League and, and why they've occurred. And I need to sort of preface any comments with the fact that these are just, um, you know, my thoughts and opinions on the state of the game. Um, I'll try and remain as as factual and and um, evidence-based as I possibly can. Um, however, the state of the English Super League uh, is not good, quite frankly. Um we have a 12-team competition. However, half of the league are spending drastically below their salary cap of 2.1 million pounds, uh, and the other half are indeed spending, on the whole, the uh, the salary cap. Sometimes even with the marquee player allowance um, and developing their own players from a uh, junior development system, etc. So the gulf between the haves and the have-nots in Super League is so big that it's created basically a, a schism between, um, you know, almost like having two leagues in the one league. Um, now, with the, f- with the off-field product um, or the off-field um, finances of each club uh, being in an absolutely terrible state um, with the exception of a, a couple of, maybe even three or four tops um, clubs, uh, the RFL have signed a deal um, a while ago now with um, sports management group IMG. Um, they're a global successful sports management group. Um, and the agreement that was struck has um, IMG not taking any funds um, and unless there's an upside that they've generated for the game. Um, so it's a really good deal for rugby league in England and France um, in the fact that it's ultimately risk-free IMG signed this 12-year deal where their job is to get the game in a lot better shape than it currently is. And if they can generate more profits than the baseline figure that was taken, or snapshot that was taken at the time that the deal was struck, um, then they'll take a percentage of the upside. Um, now, it's been very, very slow going. Um, so the, the so a year-long investigation Um, has come back um, with, it's not quite relegation and promotion, but it's very, very close to it. However, um, it's based around five key factors rather than just on-field performance. Um, So those five key factors are fandom, um, so encouraging clubs to attract more fans in stadia, um, at, at home and digitally, and to improve fan engagement, contributing to both club and central revenues, um the second criteria sorry fandom makes up 25% of of uh, how you're graded um second one also making up 25% is performance uh so incentivizing clubs to perform on the field and drive fan awareness engagement uh teams would rank between 1 and 36 based on where they finished in the leagues for the previous 3 seasons uh bonus points will be awarded to teams who win league and cup competitions in the previous season uh Category three is finances. So this is very, very important. Um, 25% of their grading, each club's grading will come down to finances, uh, reflecting the success of fan engagement and business performance uh, and rewarding sustainable investments, as well as diversified revenue streams and sound financial management. Um, Category number four is stadium, uh, which is actually only 15%. Uh, and this is based on a number of factors, including facilities and utilization, which add value to the fan and broadcast or digital viewer experience uh, and match or exceed competition from other sports and events. And lastly, we've got catchment. So what, what area of the country are you um, situated to appeal to, uh, to have your fans attend the game and travel from, etc. This is only 10%. Um, Otherwise, you'd have, you know, London or or the Catalans just, um, you know, making up, getting in automatically just because they've got the largest catchment area. Um, uh, However, this is based on area population and the number of clubs in the area with a view to maximizing growth of the sport in the largest markets to to generate a new fan base uh, and incentive investment. So during the the initial findings of IMG, um, what they found, and this is really worrying, they found that at least four clubs were not spending anywhere near the 2.1 million dollar salary cap, and found that, in fact, they found one club at least is spending only about a million, if not less than a million, um, and taking the rest of the central um, head office grant um, and using it to pay administration costs. Um, so, what that means for on field competition is that you would largely have clubs like, you know, Leeds, Wigan, and Helens. Even Catalans, um, Warrington coming up against your Wakefields and, and your Castlefords uh, and your Salfords, etc., and they're playing a team that is paying, whose play, whose players are paid half of what the total club uh, on the other side of the field is, is actually being played. Now, without probably consciously sort of strategizing around this, what that meant is clubs like Wakefield Castleford. Um, even Huddersfield to a certain degree, they're not really competing with with Wigan, St Helens, Catalan, Leeds, even Leeds this year um, because all they're worried about is surviving. All they're worried about is not losing or not finishing last. So every time they come up against a, a fellow battler that's spending only the similar amount um, as as what they're spending on their salary cap, that's effectively a four-point game to them in terms of competition points. Um, but what it means is that when they come up again when they come up against a, a big club who is investing in junior development, spending the salary cap um, to its full potential, et cetera, they're getting blown off the park. And if enough clubs do that, which is what what's actually happened here, you have a really deteriorated um, product which looks terrible on TV um, and creates a real gulf between the clubs that are investing or can invest in where they should be investing and clubs that are not. Um, so what IMG are doing here, if you are greater than A, a Category A, you are automatically guaranteed a position in the Super League. Now, it's been speculated that there's as few as even only four Category A clubs. At most, there's maybe six. Um, so what happens then is that B-plus um, will make up the rest of the numbers, and only when you have 12 Category A clubs based on the criteria that I just went through, will the competition expand? Um, So, look, this needed to happen. Um, One of the areas that I'm quite shocked at that that, that hasn't happened is there is still no salary cap floor. So what I mean by that, in the NRL, you must spend at least 95% of the $12 million salary cap. Okay, you can't spend less than that, otherwise you cop a fine in the super league no such thing exists so that's where your clubs like wakefield i'm sorry to single out out wakefield here um spending only half of the cap not putting a competitive side out but using the rest of the broadcasting grant to actually pay the bills and what this tells me that img didn't actually implement a salary cap floor and this is not this is a terrible thing is that there are too many clubs that couldn't survive having a salary cap floor so this is this is a dire situation for the Super League to be in and something needed to change. So there was really only probably three main solutions here for the Super League or, or four. The worst possible um, solution is that it transitions from a professional league to a part-time league. Um, that's something that, you know, I hope would never happen, but you know what? It's um, These clubs have illustrated that they just don't have the capacity to be a full-time league right now. Well, um, like some of them, it's good that Lee, uh, with the rich benefactor, with Derek Beaumont, has come in and actually, you know, finished top four in their first season back in the Super League. And that's why we saw Wakefield, who couldn't continue to to do what they've been doing for the last few years and still survive in the Super League, um, we saw them relegated. Um, so the other solution, apart from going part-time or another solution, is uh, the current solution which is IMG uh, with their professional expertise, spend the next decade or so trying to nurse the Super league into strong um, in, back into being a position of strength uh, like it was in the 90s and early 2000s. Another solution is private equity. Um, you know that's something that rugby union has gone down. Um, and we've seen that that's absolutely failed in England with three of the biggest rugby union clubs um, now going bankrupt or folding. Um, so we don't want to see that happen with Rugby League. Ultimately, um, private investment are going to take a stake, a percentage stake in the game in England if that were to happen, and you don't invest in something that you you think you'll never get a return and Eventually, you want a return. Um, So right now would be the worst possible time for the English Super League to try and uh, court uh, private investment companies um, to, to buy a share of their game. Uh, because they've got very, very little bargaining power in my mind. The, f- the fourth option is not my idea. It's a bit out of the box, but um, it's something that I think that if if the IMG approach does end up failing, I would like to see this as, a, um, as an alternative. I would love to see the NRL purchase the Super League. Um, okay, so different to a private investment company that's, you know, essentially just a business wanting a profit, NRL has a vested interest in seeing um, the sport of rugby league succeed in England and France. Um, so I think there's probably a good mix of um, having the financial might and capital to be able to invest, um, but also not investing for the sake of pure, you know, um, money on the books, income, balance sheet, etc. cetera. Um, now, I think that will be somewhat of a rescue mission, but I think that um, it was touted um, before the IMG solution uh, came to fruition Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing that because something does need to happen in the English Super League so I'm watching very very closely to find out um, what's currently happening. Another thing worth mentioning is that um, there's a quota of domestic players that each club must have and that's going to be um, enforced upon uh, France as well, so Toulouse and Catalan as well Um, so look, you can frame it any way you want, but IMG uh, framing it, um, you know, in a, in a really positive way, they want to assist with French development, and ensuring that a lot of genuinely French juniors start to come through the ranks, uh, more so than we've seen with Catalan, in, in particular. Um, so I, look, I'd love to see that happen. It's going to be a long road um, for that to happen. This although in saying that there's uh, Arthur Morgue and Thomas Bosque and a few notable names that have come through the, the French system and and had uh, pretty good careers with Catalans and, and the French uh, international team as well. Um, IMG also recognises the importance of the international presence of rugby league and having a competitive France largely relies on being able to produce young French quality juniors uh, and bring them through the ranks. Um, now... The issue with the French teams at the moment is there's not really a TV deal coming from France. The initial um, introduction of the Catalan Dragons back in the day, the idea was that um, that would create a demand to have their own um, French TV deal. Now, there is a lot more to this IMG and uh, IMG deal and, um, you know, funding, etc. cetera, um, than I have time to go through uh, in this one podcast Um, Because there's a lot that revolves around eventually getting a TV deal that can start to contribute towards, um, you know, the funding of the game in in England as well. Uh, Right now with no TV deal or only a small TV deal, um, there's no real benefit in the short term uh, for the English clubs uh, that are in the game because there's no French TV deal that's generating any money for the game or any meaningful money for the game. Um, so I can understand where they're coming from. Um, there needs to be a strategy put in place to start working towards really appealing to French TV networks um, and having probably the need for Toulouse to join the Super League and having Catalan versus Toulouse derbies and regular a regular French presen- uh, presence uh, in the game rather than just the one Super League club albeit um, a very successful one lately, Uh, especially tonight. uh, Tomorrow morning, Australian Times are tonight, English Times game, Um, set to break the record uh, for largest uh, Catalan home attendance at Stade Gilbert Bruce. Um, So I encourage anyone to look into that. So, look, um, things are starting to move in the English Super League. I want to end it on a positive. Um, I'm still optimistic that IMG... Um, can, can turn things around. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be this year, next year. 2025 is the first year that um, that the grading um, system will actually come to fruition. But even then, it's going to take the best part of the 2020s to, to start to see the game get back on its feet, in my opinion. And even then, there's no guarantee that this solution will work, but something needed to happen because the game's at an all-time low in England. Um, but... Look, as an optimist i still think that the future is bright it's just going to take time to turn things around okay guys on to my third and final topic of the game um one a little i guess lighter um just an article that, that picked my interest um this morning in the sydney morning herald um this probably going to be a bit of a shorter topic, but West Tigers make pitch for new 20,000-seat stadium at Liverpool. Uh, The West Tigers, in partnership with the Liverpool Council, have approached the New South Wales government with a proposal to build a 20,000-seat stadium in the heart of Liverpool CBD with a view to making it the club's permanent home. The proposal, which was first put to the Tigers by Liverpool Council, has hit an early hurdle, however, following the Herald's revelation that club chairman Lee Hadjibantelis is on the brink of being overthrown. Hadjibantelis and Liverpool Mayor Ned Manoon met New South Wales Sports Minister Steve uh, Camper earlier this week to pitch the plan, which is still in, which is still in its infancy. Councillor Manoon told 2GB radio station uh, the time was long overdue for a purpose-built stadium in which he said uh, was Rugby League's heartland, adding he'd been out there pitching this for a very, very long time. Whoever has any vision, uh, if you want to grow your market share, you'd think Southwest Sydney is where it's all going, Mr Manoon said. If the Tigers are an opportunity here, let's go for it. Uh, The preferred site For the proposed new stadium is on the corner of Hume Highway and Remembrance Avenue in Liverpool uh, and takes in Whitlam Aquatic Centre, the netball facility and potentially Hillier Oval, uh, the former Oasis site owned by Canterbury uh, Leagues Club. The proposal would depend on up to 3,000 new apartments being built on the site with a mixture of private homes, public housing and built to rent properties. Uh, It is hoped that the revenue from building the apartments on the land would offset the majority of the cost of building the stadium. The proposal estimates that the maximum cost of taxpayers will be less than $100 million. That is actually very, very low um, for a stadium. Usually they're around about $40,0, million, $450 million for, you know, 25,000-seater these days. Um, Anyway, moving on. If the Oasis site was rezoned, allowing residential development, the Bulldogs, who had owned the land, could be in for an estimated windfall of $40 to $50 million if they decided to sell. Uh, the plan also includes provisions for a new aquatic centre, an aged care facility and conference centre, similar to the newly built facility of Panthers Leagues Club. The Tigers already have plans in place within Out West uh, Council and Campbelltown City Council to upgrade their two existing home grounds at Lycan Oval and Campbelltown. It is unclear how those plans would be affected should the Liverpool project proceed, uh, but the proposal suggests that the Tigers would play one or two games a year at Leichhardt, with the rest being played at the new stadium. News of Liverpool's proposals, proposal was labelled ridiculous by Inner West uh, Council Mayor Darcy Bryan, who said that the club should focus on its on-field performance rather than property development. The adopted position of West Tigers board is to advocate for the long-overdue funding of Leichhardt and Campbelltown Oval, Councillor Brian said Uh, the ridiculous idea of moving all the home games to a stadium in Liverpool funded by property developers is absurd uh, and not in keeping with the club's commitment to fans and members. West Tigers is a much loved sporting uh, franchise, not a property development company. Uh, The club has no business advocating for housing policies in Liverpool. It's time to focus on winning football games and finally make the top eight. (laughs) Brutal, but true. Uh, Tigers chair, Lee Hagebentelis declined to comment when contacted by the Herald. The NRL last made preliminary inquiries about building a Sun stadium in southwest Sydney, approaching the West Tigers and Bulldogs which gauge their appetite uh, for playing out of a potential new venue in Liverpool or Rossmore near Western Sydney Airport. ARLC chairman Peter Valandis and NRL chief executive uh, Andrew Abdo spoke to both Bulldogs and Tigers officials as the code considered a move to inquire an asset similar to the AFL's ownership of Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. That plan has since fallen over, however. The MacArthur Bulls' A-League team, who currently play out of Campbelltown Sports Stadium, uh, were also approached about the new stadium proposed by Liverpool Council uh, but has not yet formalised a position. The club declined to comment. So that's a very interesting artic- article from uh, journalist Michael Chammis in the Sydney Morning Herald today. Um, look. To be honest, guys, I'm I'm not against it. Um, we've seen, despite the cost blowout of tickets for the Roosters and and Parramatta, those stadiums look amazing on TV. They're fantastic for fans to actually attend. Um, I think one of the one of the key areas of importance for me when considering something like this is what are the transport networks like? Um, as someone living in Sydney, um, transport access to Liverpool is is pretty decent. Um, a fairly decent train network um, around there, and who knows down the track, maybe even a metro line. Uh, Population is really, really good. It does suit the West Tigers. I've, I don't know how the West Tigers um, are going to be competitive on the field if they have to. I think last year they had six, even seven home games if you include Magic Round, the game against the Warriors in Hamilton, Leichhardt, Tamworth, Campbelltown. It's just ridiculous the amount of home games the Tigers had last year. So if this means that they'll be able to um, be competitive or help them be competitive on the field with other clubs, we've seen the $50 million Centre of Excellence at at Concord open recently. Um, Everything is primed for the Tigers to one day be one of the giants of the NRL if they can just get their shit together, quite frankly. Um, Look, I don't think that this will be an issue for fans living in the MacArthur and Campbelltown area. Um, Traditionally with all due respect to people in, living in that area, the, the average crowd out there for West Tigers games is still pretty pretty pathetic, if I'm being honest. Um, way too many games with only around 8,000, and even then I it's a very suspect crowd figure when I see it because it looks closer to 5,000. Um, now, I understand that sometimes um, games at Campbelltown involve, you know, Melbourne, Cowboys, and games from out of, team, but, out of town, but still um, it's not really a good advertisement for... Um, how many fans want to make Campbelltown a, um, a real sort of upgraded permanent solution for the Tigers in saying that obviously their catchment area is southwestern Sydney, being MacArthur, one of the fastest growing areas in Australia. But the distance between Campbelltown and Liverpool is, is still um, very, very accessible in my opinion. Um, so if this was a solution that saw the West Tigers being able to play 10 games at, um, at one home stadium, then I'm all for it largely pays for itself. I, I think this is an exciting idea and um on balance I'm probably a big fan of it. Um there's downsides and upsides to everything, but um yeah, I'd love to see this come to fruition. Um look guys, that's about it uh, in terms of um topics that I wanted to discuss today. Um please help share rugby league therapy um around as a podcast. Um Lou and I have only just recently got it up and running. Um, from um, you know, any support would be um, very much appreciated. So um, share this, share this around, um, and a big thanks to the people at um, everythingrugbyleague.com. Um, and if you're looking to reach me on Twitter, I am at um, at whitelock underscore keith. So that is w h i t e l o c k underscore k e i t h. I think that wraps things up for another um, week of rugby league therapy we'll be previewing the upcoming international season next week and lou will be back on board from his um trip to spain and uh as always i'll see you on the other side